Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Riotous Rookies podcast, your source for all sorts of in-depth Blood Bowl discussion. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Jake, and with me is my co-host, Richard. Uh, I'd just like to say that we've never done a bad episode of this podcast. It's true. It's true. This will be our best episode we've ever done right here. Until the next one. So I guess first off, we should uh, do some introductions, tell us you guys a little bit about ourselves. Richard, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I've been playing tabletop games for 11 years. Uh, started with 40K, as most do, and then moved into War Machine. Um, played War Machine and dabbled in X-Wing through about 2018. And then uh, took a bit of a break from gaming, played a bit of Monpox 2.0, and then kind of was out of gaming till Marvel Crisis Protocol came out. And so I've played Marvel Crisis Protocol since release. And then I've played Blood Bowl since this May. I'm very new to Blood Bowl still. But you've come along very fast, if I do say so myself. Thank you. I'm glad I can fool somebody. (laughs) So for myself, I started gaming in 2008 with 40K, of course. Um, Got into it thanks to the uh, Dawn of War PC games. Um, And then played my first game of Blood Bowl in the same year in 2008. Played pretty much exclusively GW games for a while there. And then the fifth edition to sixth edition transition really burned me hard when all of my armies uh, became basically unplayable. And uh, so at that point I switched over to War Machine. And that's how Richard and I met down in when he was going to school in Wichita. We, I would go there once a month for my drill weekends and we'd also see each other at tournaments and such. Then uh, War Machine for a while, then on to X-Wing, pretty much as my main game for a while. And uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol with a brief pit stop in some other Star Wars games like Legion and Star Wars Destiny card game. But yeah, Marvel Crisis Protocol has also been the one that I've been playing a lot lately. Uh, it's a very fun game, and it's Marvel, so it gets me happy. But Blood Bowl is definitely probably my favorite game, and it's the one that I've kind of off and on always played for the past Oh, 14 years now. It is certainly a good time, and one of the great things about Blood Bowl is you can come in and out of Blood Bowl, and it's not punishing to be out for a month. There was a long time when the only Blood Bowl I played was the video game. I played a lot of Blood Bowl 2 between when it released and, like, 2018. I pretty much played, like, exclusively online Blood Bowl 2 as my only Blood Bowl outlet. Looking forward to Blood Bowl 3, even if the release is not perfect. I know a lot of people were kind of had some mixed thoughts on the beta that just recently concluded. I think it was like the third beta. I'm looking forward to it just for having a video game version of the updated rule set. That's really, for me, like, I, for me, a Blood Bowl video game doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good enough. It just has to have the current rules. That's all I actually care about. Yeah. And then as far as what we're playing now in Blood Bowl, Richard, what's kind of you, what have you been playing and what are you playing? What are you on now? So I started Blood Bowl with Chorus because I'm a bad person. And then I've dabbled in Norse for um, a league, but I'm actually preparing to play Amazons for some upcoming tournaments. So I'm looking forward to that. And we're definitely going to get in deep diving into Amazons throughout this episode. You're going to be talking about Amazons in our upcoming tournament talk. And then also we're going to have a dedicated segment to going over the new Amazon team. As for myself, I kind of play a little bit of everything. I would say if I had to like say like one team is my absolute favorite, it is and always has been Orcs. 
but um, I'm currently playing Chaos Dwarves in our local league, um, and it's going very well. And then um, I think the most recent tournament I went to, I played Dark Elves. But for these next couple tournaments, I'm planning on bringing Griff Dwarves because I am a terrible person, and I want all of the people who are playing their new Amazon teams to have zero fun. So that's a you know you can kind of get a good sense of what kind of person I am just off that. I mean, they'll still have fun. They just won't win. Yep. I guess that'll lead us into our tournament talk. As far as tournament talk segment goes, generally what we're going to do is we'll talk about the most recent tournaments that we've been to. Uh, we won't go like blow by blow battle report style over each one of our games, but just kind of like what our takeaways were from the like if there's a particular takeaway from games or if there's a particular takeaway from the tournament as a whole. Basically just tournament takeaways. And then the second part of tournament talk will be on upcoming tournaments that we are going to, kind of going into, you know, what uh, what we're thinking about taking and as far as, you know, what the what the builds are for both team build and skill package, uh, how that affects what we're going to take. So Richard, what is the most recent tournament that you've been to? Uh, if you actually want to start with the most tournament recent recent tournament you went to, I think it will actually tie together much better. So I have it's been a bit since I've been to a tournament. I just got off of a little bit of a weird work schedule period, um, and I was not able to go to basically the most recent one or the one before that either. Uh, both the the Royal Open and the uh, the Meeplethon tournaments I had to miss. But the most we- recent one I went to was the uh, Mid-America Cup in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, AJ Murray ran that one as kind of the last one that he's running in Lincoln before he moves. And it was a really well-run tournament. We had a good time. I took Dark Elves. Um, I took a pretty standard Dark Elf roster, you know, all four Blitzers, both Witch Elves, a Runner, and filled out with Lyman with like two rerolls because it was, I believe, an 1150 tournament. And then I did what you'd expect Dark Elves to do in taking like Maximize Dodge, taking like Block on one Witch Elf, Wrestle on the other, took Leader on the Runner, and uh, it went well. Um, I went 3 0 and won the tournament and uh, proceeded to score eight touchdowns over the course of the three games. Um, I scored three in my first round against Goblins, two in my second round against uh, Tomb Kings, and three in my third round against A.J. Murray Skaven in what can only be described as the epitome of elf bullshit. And uh, for anyone who is still wondering if like elf bullshit is still well alive in the 2020 edition of the rules, uh, it most certainly is. Because there were times when I would have my runner start like basically, you know, four or five squares back from the back of my end zone, you know, and end up with a witch elf or a blitzer who started the turn marked by like multiple players ending up, you know, scoring a touchdown. Um, my third game against AJ was kind of like the epitome of it because his Skaven, he had a like a rat ogre, he had a dirty player sneaky get gutter runner, and he was just generating removal after removal on my elves. And I think at one point I had three players on the pitch and I still managed to get a TD on that drive. So. It's uh, you know, I mean, with that with that dark elf runner, like passing on a three up, is like fine. Like, it's not any player on your team can do a quick pass on a two up anymore. But 
I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing for the game personally, but, you know, especially when, you know, any player on your team can catch on a two up, it kind of, you know, it, it's fine. Like just go hand off. If you really are that concerned about it, like if you don't want to try and pass on a three up, just like go for it a couple of times and go and hand it off. I don't know. What are your thoughts about, uh, the, uh, the passing game with elves, Richard, are you a fan of, limiting elf bullshit of everybody throwing passes on a two-up? Uh, yes. Um, so having never played um, Blood Bowl pre-2020, uh, um, the passing stat is a good addition to the game. If you want to run a passing attack, you absolutely can do that. You can play wood elves, you can play uh, pro elves, or you can run... Um... High elves also. Like The high elves yeah. have a two-plus passing passer that has the pass skill. And he also has what well, he has safe pass also. So if you're doing quick passes, he's either being accurate or he is not passing the ball and rolling a one. And like that's if you roll a one twice on the high elf passer. Yep. And then catching on a two still allows you to get away with a lot of the stuff you used to. You just have to start it on a riskier roll. Um, but none of the catching and dodging math changes. And since the first rolls the fir- the pass itself is always the riskiest part of this, then it's fine. Like you go from a thirty-five and thirty-six to an eighty-eight percent of the pass for dark yeah. elves, that's more than good enough. I mean, it definitely is like risk. You have riskier overall plays with a lot of like elf passing game or just like passing game in general. The introduction of the wildly inaccurate rule, where like a modified roll of a one causes it to go the d eight direction, d six distance, can lead to scenarios where you just like throw the ball like two or th- like two to six squares behind yourself and it's just an absolute unmitigated disaster but like i mean part of that is like if you're not bringing skills that give you positive modifiers to passing then don't attempt short passes unless it's like a desperation play and if it's a desperation play then like if it it's gonna go wrong then it doesn't matter if it is a inaccurate pass or a wildly inaccurate pass like if a desperation play doesn't work you're boned anyway um i would say that um the change to that is you can't run the high risk high reward passing game because of wildly inaccurate anymore um i mean i don't know but you're just there's a chance you're punished for it you're right you're right but like there's also you can also just like take the accurate skill and mm-hmm. like you you will never be wildly inaccurate on a like short pass because the minus one for the short pass and the plus one for accurate like offset to where you would either fumble the ball which actually like fumbling is kind of okay because if you fumble ball, it goes into it next to you what's that you know where the ball is going to be right right it's going to be it's going to be next to your thrower and you're going to have at least one tackle zone on the ball which is like like if you screened up where your thrower is throwing from, like if you have a screened position with a tackle zone on the ball, like you're probably not in that bad of a position. So, but when I say it punishes the opportunistic high risk, high reward passing game, what I mean is not for team, not for edge teams, this is for teams like Dorks, where you'll uh, have a runner and then you can choose to play Dorks this way, where if you're not in a great spot and you've got a password, like, if you have a re-rollable five to pass, you might take that pass because right. you know where the ball is going to be. The ball is going to be three to six squares further down. Um, if you fumble but aren't wildly inaccurate, then 
the balls near a bunch of dwarfs, which is not great but acceptable. So opportunistic yeah. passes like that are riskier because you get in the position where it's like, well, I rolled a two, team re-rolled into a two, and now I'm wildly inaccurate and the ball is somewhere that's not good for me and this is out of my control. You're right. Um yeah, that's probably enough on that subject. I don't know. I could go on and on about the passing game. And maybe at some point we'll do like a whole dedicated segment to the passing game. But I'll let you go into uh, your most recent tournament. So I pl- um, there's a local small charity convention in Kansas City called Meeklathon. Uh, one whole tournament was run by uh, Philip Ponzer. Uh, he's a Casey local who also runs our the KCDDL. Um, so it was a good tournament. It was well run. Um, we had six people show up for it, which was good for a local tournament at a small event. Um, I also played Dark Elves. Uh, in fact, bummed the same team that Jake bummed for Metamorpha, and I right. did not do anywhere near the well. So the I went uh, two draws and a loss, which for my first time playing a team is acceptable. Um, with where I've had in Blood Bowl, it's not ideal, but it's acceptable. So that was the first time you'd ever played an elf team also, right? Correct. What did you think of the 2 plus edge life? Uh, it was very fun. Um, yeah. It's an interesting dynamic where coming from Chorse and then I was about five games into Norse for my league at that point. Um, the dynamic is very different where you're just dodging out on your opponent's turn if you fail because it's better than getting hit on their turn. Um, sometimes, um, but it was, even though, so I'm a poor defensive coach, it was nice to get reps with the play one off their line, smother their movement defensive game, where dwarfs will have a more bashy defensive game in a lot of matchups. So that was a good experience for me. Yeah, for sure. The transition between like a bash team and like an edge team, like like an elf team, like or specifically dark elves, like dark elves are kind of an easier transition thanks to their armor nine on most of their pieces, so you're not quite punished as badly. But it's it, there's something very freeing about like being able to just like be like you can just go wherever you want to. There is, but you do have to have a much better overall strategy, which is something that chores allow you to get away with because it turns out that. Bull centaurs just fix all of your problems on defense, and they do it quite well. That is true. And speaking of bull centaurs, my one of my bull centaurs, uh, I don't know if you saw, but uh, the one that I've been saving for a stat increase on rolled plus one agility. Nice. Enjoy your edge three bull centaur. Yeah, so now I have basically a bull centaur who is basically light griff. So it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, so as far as upcoming tournaments, I think the next tournament that we are both going to is going to be the Pumpkin Bowl in Lincoln. We're going to make the trip up there. Yep. So the build there is kind of an interesting one. It is 11.20, right? It is 11.20 and progressive skills. Um, right. You must choose your progression when you submit your roster, which is disappointing. But Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yes, yeah, so you're locked in when you submit your list. Oh, okay. I, here I was hoping I could like adjust what I'm taking for skills as I see what the tournament field is. Um, it does make the event run smoother, so I'm okay with it. But it would have been true. nice to have the flex option. Yeah. So the, if I remember correctly, the like skill package, you start out with a one of three options for a skill package, which is you either take six primary skills 
uh, and there's no limit on uh, no limit on duplicates and no limit on stacking, if I remember correctly. That is correct. Um, and then, so you can choose six. One of them is six primaries, or you can do four primaries and a secondary, or you can do two primaries and two secondaries. Yep. And then at the end of each round, so at the end of round one and at the end of round two, in before your round before your round two game and before your round three game, you get to add additional skills. You can either add uh, a primary skill to two different players. You can't add two primary skills to the same player between rounds, but you can add a primary skill to two different players, or you can add a secondary skill to one player. And there is no limit to the number of skills a player can be given, up to, of course, the typical seven. So you couldn't do like all six of your primary skills on the same player off the get go and then like keep adding primary skills to them. That does like make me think about like the interesting potential to do like a super reward answer for what else or something like that, where you just like literally stack up like all the skills on them. It'd be kind of funny. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, I like this tournament. I like playing this tournament, the progressive skill um, every once in a while, because it just allows you the option to Voltron out your models and make them into super models. Or even if you choose not to not having a max duplicate of additional skill is nice to have. Uh, nice to have, yes, but good for the game. Maybe not. Yep. Um, I I'm literally just going to bring Grift Dwarfs. I don't know if I told you, but I'm going to bring Grift Dwarfs with zero rerolls and all of the guards. Yeah, yeah. So my plan is to do like Grift Dwarfs, like the standard Grift Dwarf build. Like you take like the 1150 Grift Dwarf build that has one reroll, and just like drop out the reroll and add. Um, you add uh, blitzers and yeah, like add. Uh, like max out on blitzers and i think you still have 10k left over for like a dedicated fan or something or an assistant coach but like i'll still have a reroll because i'm going to bring leader on my runner yep my 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 thought here is like because amazons are probably going to be super common um then you know bring dwarves so i'll do like block leader on my runner and then just four guards it's boring but it will be effective it will be quite effective like i as dwarves I am, tend to be I am not getting any points for originality or like creativity or excitement out of this one, but um, I will get points towards my NAF ranking. Yep. Um, I do look forward to you losing your round two or three game because you you were so bored you fell asleep during the game, though. That will excite me. Yeah, that might happen. And also, there's no Highlander rule, so if I get into the mirror, <laughs> I'll still get to Griff. And, You're not um, punished for being greedy and not taking a rule. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. Like, I don't need I mean, consequences are for other people, right? Yep. What about you? Uh, I will be playing Amazons because they are new and shiny. <laughs> so um, the thing that interests me about Amazons besides they're new for both of the upcoming tournaments, which is Pumpkin Bowl and KC Open, which we'll get to in a bit, um, is the blocker is an incredibly interesting piece. And since I know that I can get block and guard on it because there's no limit on how many skills you can have on a player, um, it's going to be the best that it can be. Um, defensive is a good skill when somebody is bringing one or two guards. And then you can use your agility to make sure that they can't leverage that guard. But if someone was playing dwarfs with three to five guards, then that doesn't do anything for you. Because um, they can set up to where they can just 
block off down the chain, and then they'll be able to leverage their guards like they need to. Uh, the Blitzer, which Blitzer is a strong word, it's uh, the new Amazon Blitzer is a fantastic catcher. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny that like they don't start with block and they have agility access as a primary, so they really are more set up as a catcher than they are as a blitzer. Um, they, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I think a lot of the buzz going into Amazon's release was the blitzers were just fake catchers and don't take them unless it's a league where you have like nothing else to spend your gold on, and I was very wrong about that. Um, so I will be playing two in almost any squad I can afford them in because they're a serious offensive threat and hit and run is an incredibly good rule um, because unless they're marking you with three players, you can set up a blitz to block out and hit and run to get your movement back since you're not following and then you just run down and score. Yeah. I... I do think very highly of Amazon's. I think that we'll go, we'll like go into detail on it, but like, I think you're going to have a good time. So the only decision I have to make for Pumpkin Bolt is I have to decide if I want to play the correct build, which is two rerolls in Carla with a leader, or if I want to play the fun build, which is Glottal Stop and one reroll. Dude, Glottal Stop looks so much fun. He's going to be so bad because he's just going to frenzy himself into like both down skull and then die. But maybe, but like if you have the dice luck, like he's got the stats, like you can frenzy yourself. You know, well, you and I talk about frenzy traps all the time, right? Like setting up, setting frenzy traps to where your opponent, if they do only get pushes on the first block, the second block ends up being like one die or two die uphill or something like that. Like Glottles having, you know, six strength is going to make it very hard for people to actually frenzy trap him. And the most common way of containing a big guy start player about just like just base somebody like doesn't really work on him because you might just like declare a move action, roll a one through three on your animal savagery and knock down the guy that's marking you before you move. So here a second blitz fifty percent of the time is somewhat fun. Well, once yeah. per well I would not bank on like declaring the blitz action with him and then like banking on rolling the one and then like yeah. you know That's knocking a guy down the blitzing out but like it's a, and it's a fake blitz you declare the move action right. or if you feel spicy a foul action and then you hit them i definitely don't think i would ever foul with my 280k star player or is he 260 something like that he's 270 i didn't say i said would foul with him i said i would declare a foul action with him. i gotcha so as far as the other big upcoming one that we're looking at is the KC Open. Um, so this is actually a local event for us. Richard lives in Kansas City. I live just outside Kansas City in the great city of Lawrence. And so the KC Open is going to be a local event for us. We're looking forward to the first officially like GW. Uh, it's not necessarily GW run. The whole weekend is, but the the Blood Bowl event is being run, is basically being community run with GW price support and rules packet and stuff. But very much so looking forward to there being a GW supported tournament, even if I don't necessarily want to see this as the norm because of the prevalence of third party miniatures and like I want to be able to use my third party stuff. Um, and like third party miniatures basically kept the game alive for a decade and a half, along with the NAF. Like, the fact that GW is doing tournaments 
is a good thing. Like it can only be a good thing as long as it does not get to the point where it like precludes like you know unofficial or like non-GW tournaments that allow third-party miniatures. Like as long as it doesn't get to that point, then there's nothing but benefits to GW running some Blood Bowl tournaments. If Games Workshop chose to exert more influence over the tournament scene, my expectation would be they would do what they do with Sigmar, 40k, and now Titanicus, where there's a official tournament pack. Yeah, I don't, from I, don't I don't think that that'll ever actually happen. I think it'll just kind of be like at their big, what are they, they're doing like four big tournaments in the U.S. this year? Four yeah. U.S. Open events a year. And it's generally pick a city with an NFL team. That's probably where there's a chance it'll be. So we're looking forward to that. It's got a 1,200 team build and 200k for skills. So you just get all the things. You and so what, you have the wrong tournament. Do whatever you want. Right. And so I think, and like once again, because people are going to want to be bringing their new shinies ons, I'm making a boring ass meta call and bringing Griff Dwarves with two rerolls. That is perfectly respectable. Um, I am not playing Chores. Is it respectable? Oh, it's fine. I don't blame anybody that chooses to run Grift Horse at this event. Like, it's a big tournament. Want to win? And Grift Horse makes sense. Hey, um, maybe if, if Grift Horse win, maybe they'll actually, like, give Griff the nerf bat. Maybe he will finally no longer play for Dwarves. One can hope. Nah, they won't take away Old World Classic from the, from the Dwarves, but I could see them finally giving Griff the nerf he deserves. Uh, just edit all dwarfs to have animosity griff overworld. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so you're planning on playing Zons in the KC Open also? I am. Uh, the deciding factor of getting me into Zons was I was originally going to play Norse and then had absolutely no motivation to paint in the Norse team. That's so I bought Zons instead. Um, so I am playing Zons. Um, <clears throat> the core of the list is going to be Two block guard blockers, um, a thrower with leader, and then the rest of the list evolves from there. Um, there will be at least two rerolls in the list, but with the uh, cap, you have quite a lot of options. Um, there is a it's a three skill duplicate maximum, right? And then yes. you can only put a maximum of two skills on a player. Uh, that is correct. There is no limit on, like, you don't get forced into one skill if you have a secondary skill, but you can only put two skills on the player. So you could take a primary, secondary, or two secondary skills if you wanted to lose uh, four skills to two skills. Oh, I didn't um, realize that. I didn't realize that it was, uh, you could put multiple second, like a secondary and another skill on. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. That might, that might kind of make some very interesting build potentials. Yeah, that would. So option one is I run uh, two blockers, a thrower, um, eight linemen, or eight line women, and then I run Morgan Thorne with two rerolls. And then the there's no subtlety to that strategy. It's exactly I have two defensive guard block models and Morgan Thorne, and then the center of the field will be mine until the end of time or until somebody throws a bomb at them. Does the Morgan Thorne build let you bring a blitzer? No. It is exact with two rerolls. Is it is exactly twelve hundred. So it's two blockers and the rest line women. Uh, two blockers, a thrower, two rerolls, line women up to eleven, and then Morgan Thor is exactly twelve hundred. Bang! That's very cool. <laughs> that, that seems pretty good. That'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to that. And then I think we're both potentially going to go to the Friday Night Sevens event. I think it might. Uh, 
might depend on you know what our motivation level is to go play another because it's a two-day tournament it's four days on saturday or it's four rounds on saturday and two rounds on sunday so if we decide that we want to do like a third day of blood bowl i mean but i'm actually looking forward i haven't seen anything about what the custom pitch that they're doing is going to look like and i don't know if it's going to be neoprene or cardboard or what but apparently like you get just a free pitch you do well it's a 75 dollar event most of which i assume is going to the cost of creating that pitch yeah i'm looking forward to it i am looking forward to that as well (laughs) um as far as the six round tournament goes, that's also kind of interesting. Like, there's not a lot of six round Blood Bowl tournaments outside of like the majors, like, you know, like Chaos Cup. So, a six round Blood Bowl event with like, you know, 40, 50 people would be super fun. It would be. Um, and it's nice because the event is capped at 64, which means we are likely to have a true winner at the end. It's uh, it's gonna be fun. Anything else on your mind as far as like tournament talk goes? Um, no. Um, I just have to come up with what I'm actually gonna run for GW. I think it will end up being two blitzers, one of which is built out as a fake blitzer, and the other built out as a catcher. Um, and then yeah. it's three rerolls, and then fill in the rest of the gold after your star player. After that, are you gonna go leader sure hands on your thrower? Um, I am tempted. But I'm not certain. If I take two skills on both blitzers, the answer is no. And if you just fuck up picking the ball, then congrats, your leader's a sure hands once per half. Um, and that sucks. But um, if you're not taking more than three, you probably just get three rules anyway. Um, yeah. And then you can cut leader for sure hands. Makes sense. I think for my my grift orbs, I'm gonna roll with. Uh... You know, it's a three three duplicate cap, so I'm gonna roll three guards, three mighty blows, block leader on the runner, and then I have two other skills, and so I'll probably do like stand firm on the troll slayer for you know crowd surfing protection, and then either tackle on my blitzer or just kick on another dwarf. I'm a big fan of kick. Um, theoretically, um, unless their ball carrier is already splitting out and your blitzer is playing safety, you should be able to put a dwarf in a lot of places. And get that tackle on its own without having to take it as a skill. And then kick allows you to do so much that teams just can't do. It's true. If there was not a two skill max, I would actually consider instead of stand firm on the troll slayer, doing a third skill on the runner and doing block leader on the ball. Cause I really like what on the ball does for, uh, for dwarves opening up their, uh, like not being as subject to like really punishing kicks but it'll be fine it'll be fine i've got griff to kind of help me out he can kind of chill in the backfield also and if the ball goes like super deep then griff can just go pick it up yep um i think that'll probably cover our tournament talk then that's it for me do you want to talk about our hobby stuff that we've been doing lately or do you want to talk about amazon's next um let's do a bit of hobby stuff and then we'll finish up on amazon's all right cool what's on your hobby table right now richard um, I have a glottal stop in front of me right now um, that I'm summoning the motivation to paint. Um, it's nice. a very cool model. Um, as much as I dislike Forge World's prices, Forge World post switching to CAD is a good experience to assemble for resin models. Like the sculpts are well done, they're clean to assemble. There's not a huge amount of work like in the old Forge World days. 
where it's like, oh, look at my 30k land speeder. I spent two and a half hours cleaning this model. Um, so that's nice. And then I have just finished getting my Amazons good enough for a tournament, and then I'll touch them later. Gotcha. I've got sitting in front of me right now the first Forge World model I ever bought uh, just earlier this year, which is a Morganthorg. And uh, he is probably about hmm. oh, 50% done with uh, blocking out his base colors. Um, so that is to say he's not really even close to being done, but he is recognizable as Morganthorg because I've got like his shirt, his skin, and his like leathers all separately blocked right now. So he's recognizable. Um, other than that, I need to get one more dwarf lineman painted and put onto a clear acrylic base because, um, my current dwarf team has a single Grebo line woman that is, uh, one of the female dwarf line women just to have a, uh, little bit of variety on the team. Uh, so I need to be able to have a official GW mini in order to round out that team to adhere to the GW Open standards, so that has to get done somewhere in the next week and a half, two weeks, whatever GW Open is. And then, let's see, what else do I have? Um, I've got kind of a number of hobby projects in front of me. There's also a primed Chaos Chosen team sitting on the desk in front of me. I've got some Lizardmen who are in the process of being painted. I've got Skaven, who I have the Rat Ogre painted, and I've got some first layers on one of the Blitzers and all three Gutter Runners. So I'm kind of a little bit hobby ADHD right now. Nice. That's a lot of progress, though. Yeah, I mean, I like to... So I love painting big guys. A lot of times, like, I will literally just paint the big guy first on a team and then not circle around back to the rest of that team for a while. Like, I've had the Croxagore for my Lizardman painted for, I don't know, like, three months now, but the rest of them... Like, I've got the six Saurus all pretty much just needing their, like, shoulder pads and spikes and stuff done. And then I still got to do all the skinks. And then, like, my Skaven, my Rat Ogre is completely done. But uh, everything else is, like, you know, very little progress on it. So I have a tendency to do that, like, paint big guys because I love big guys. Painting medium to large models is more fun for me than painting small models. Um, it's just more relaxing. Yeah. Personally. I do enjoy painting large models. Um, the uh, Colossals from War Machine were just a really good time to paint. You just turn your brain for three hours, paint a robot that's not hard to paint, and then you have a good-looking robot at the end of it. Oh, yeah. I still remember my painted Stormwall as being one of the most fun thing I ever painted. And then also, like, the great thing about the uh, like War Machine Colossals is the fact that they're on 100-millimeter bases. You could get, like, so creative with your basing. Yeah. I had, like, a multi multi-tiered... Um, like landscape with like a like big barbed wire fence on it and stuff. It was really like it was really really satisfying to do the basing for that hundred millimeter base as well. It was a good looking model. Oh yeah. So I think that's probably good for our hobby talk. Unless you have anything else that you want to uh, go over. Oh, I have something actually. My just continued hatred of painting the color yellow. Oh my gosh. I was so I have a. Uh, so it's a Grebo Games little uh, like dice marker for the for the Chaos Dwarfs. It's like a like it's like a dice that has like part of it like cracked off, and it's got like dwarfy type symbols inlaid into it. And yep. I've been trying to like inlay the like the like little pips um, 
that are like the skull, like the stumble and stuff with like the colors that are reminiscent of the like Blood Bowl video game. So like blue for push, red for skulls and yellow for like stumble and like knockdown. Um, and trying to get the freaking yellow inlaid into everything for the like stumble and for the uh, and for the both down and the pow is so infuriating because I'm using like thinned yellows and like yellow pigment already is so like lightly covering and you thin it down to like flow into these crevices and it's just like takes like fifteen thousand layers to actually cover. It's so infuriating. Colors, you can't even keep with contrast. So yeah, I tried using the uh, I tried using the bad moon yellow contrast to like do it, but it's has the exact same problem where like it's still like a watered down yellow pigment. So. Yep. It's it's infuriating. <laughs> I will say though, like if you're painting yellow, the uh, Averland Sunset base uh, base color from Citadel actually like covers extremely well. That's what I've like been doing on anything that has like large swaths of yellow, like uh, my Skaven. They're going to be yellow and it's so it's going to be yellow and metallic red. So they're basically getting Chiefs colors, but their red is metallic. Um, but for their yellow, I'm starting out with Averland Sunset and then working up to the uh, uh, whatever the brighter yellow layer paint is. Oh, what's it called? Flashgate um, Yellow. Yeah. yeah, I'm working up to Flashgate Yellow on them. But like that Averland Sunset base actually gives you like a really good like darker yellow, almost orangish base, and uh, you can actually like work up from there pretty pretty well. I am looking forward to Ratrick Mahomes' Reign of Terror, Jake. He is definitely going to be named Ratrick Mahomes for the thrower. Like, there's not even a question on that. Another, the way I've been doing yellow on my Zons is since it's primed white, um, Imperial Fist Contrast has been a fantastic way to cheat yellow. I really need to get a bot, like a pot of the Imperial Fist. I've got a pot of the uh, the older um, Iandin yellow contrast and then the newer Bad Moon yellow that they just released. And they're both really good, but I want to get the Imperial Fist yellow and see how that one does. Also, Imperial Fist is nice because it's not—it's a bit more orange. Um, so that's kind of how like the Iandin yellow is. It's like got a bit of an orange. Pig- it's got orange pigment and yellow pigment in it. Unlike like the Bad Moon yellow just has yellow pigment in it, yep. but the Iandin yellow has orange and yellow, so you get like some like depth to your to your yellow contrast. Yep, and then while we're talking about a GW paints, um, do not buy White Scar Rattlecan. It is utter garbage. Yeah, um, so the new the new White Scar, whatever their new <laughs> formula is, it works okay on GW plastics, but on like resin models, uh, I have had such bad luck. And also, like it doesn't cover very well on anything other than G- I don't know why, like it. It works actually works well on GW plastics, but like everything else I've tried to use it on has been miserable experience. I wouldn't even consider it covering well on GW plastics. It covers significantly worse than Gracier. Yeah, Gracier is like an absolutely wonderful primer. I also like the Army Painter gray, but it is a lot darker. Um, I might go as far as saying that Gracier Rattlecan is the best product Games Workshop has ever made. Uh, I don't know that i'll disagree with you other than to say that uh we're talking about like for hobby product right not just like product period yes okay yeah for hobby product absolutely for product period the um, i don't know if i ever had more fun with the game than with the out of the box uh warhammer underworld shade spire box yes i have never played shade spire so i can't speak to it the core experience is fantastic nice 
so that's our hobby talk with severe tangents on other things. Um, let's talk Zons, Richard. So, Zons, uh, I am very excited for this team, both for tournaments and for the next season of League. The team has an expensive core. Since the blockers are 110 and you'll be playing two blockers in every Amazon's 11s list you make, or you're not playing Amazon's. So those, the thrower, and then at least one blitzer make the core expensive because that starts at 390 um, before you add a second blitzer. But line women being 50k is um, just solves a lot of those problems, and you can end up with 12 or 13 models reliably, um, which mitigates the fact that you're an armor eight team across the board other than the blockers. Um, with the Nuzons roster, right? you can almost fit like what I would consider like a like ideal starting roster for like a league would be like two Jaguar blockers, two Piranha Blitzers, a thrower, fill out to 11 with line women, and then get like three rerolls and an apothecary. It's, it's 110. It's like literally 10K too much in order to work like perfectly. Um, so unfortunately, like that's like one of the downsides of the new roster is you that you have to say for the APO. And if your league has, if your league does not have a preseason, I would consider being greedy with um, either cutting a blitzer to afford the APO or I would cut the blitzer before I cut to this down to two rerolls in the league. Yeah. So I think I would do, I think I would actually do three rerolls APO and then two blockers, one thrower, one blitzer yep. and with seven line women. The problem there is that like you only get six line women in the box. So you do have to like, you know, either like get another line woman or like proxy one of your blitzers as a line woman or something like that. But um, it's not the end of the world. So with how Games Workshop produces the classic Blood Bowl teams, which is they ship you two sprues of six models. Um, I generally expect to buy two of each team, which is annoying, but in the grand scheme of hobby money, Blood Bowl is not expensive at all. Yeah, and like a lot of third-party teams, if you uh, if you buy like the full team that has like sixteen minis, a lot of times that'll cost you like like eighty to a hundred dollars anyway. So it might cost you just as much to buy like a full a full team third party as it would be to buy two GW boxes anyway. Like I'm I am I am not at all like a GW shill, like by any means. Like I've got plenty of I've got plenty of third party stuff. I've got my entire Lizardman team is uh oh shoot, I don't remember who the manufacturer is, but they're like the Ceratops uh Lizardman team. Um I round out my dwarf team with a few Grebo models. My Dark Elf team has a few Grebo models. Like I'm all about the third party stuff. Like most of my third I'd say my star players are like 50-50 third party in GW. But like I guess my thought on the matter is like, you know, GW models are instantly recognizable. Nobody's gonna be like, well what is that? You know, what is what what team is that? What model is that again? So. I actually think the Amazons fail at the second part of that, which is why eventually um, I would not be surprised if I ended up with a mix of Grebo and some other Zons teams to stand in. Yeah, that makes There's sense. So that is, that's probably one of the biggest complaints about the new Zons team that I've heard is people saying that like the Jaguar blockers are like the exact same size as all of the other players. Yeah. And like, 
the blitzers kind of look like they might be more blockers than the blitzer than the actual blockers do is what i've also the heard blitzers so it's weird so the line women have claws which is cool um the blockers are kneeling down like they're lined up for the snap mm-hmm. but they look more like blitzers and then the blitzers have the least armor of all of them because they have no claws so um i ended up painting the base of the blitzers the thrower and the blockers in different color uh blue for the blockers and then red for the blitzers and then green for the thrower um yeah. so there is like a like a I don't know if you call it like you call it like a like a NAF kind of like standard color scheme for doing like alternate uh, base rims, and it generally goes like white for throwers, gray for linemen, green for blockers, red for blitzers, and then there's like some other colors for like big guys or like you know like one offs. But like my orc team, for example, like my orc team is converted 40k orcs, and so like he's like knobs for the back in the day black orcs now the biggins um and like my blitzers are just like more fancied up versions of like the linemen basically so i delineate them by having the base rims painted uh various colors and uh i've got like my blockers are green my blitzers are red my linemen are gray my throwers are white nice. um i wouldn't stick with a nav standard because it would bother me that a posi- none of the positionals that start with e have blue on them that would personally annoy me to no end that's fair. But as long as you're clear with your opponent. Um, but then, like, if you're doing, if you're doing, like, B for blue, then <laughs> both blockers and blitzers both start with B. So, like, they do. your There's argument no isn't valid. Here. Where is your god now, Richard? Uh, this is the internet. It doesn't matter that I'm wrong, only that I continue talking. Ah, I see. So back on the subject of the Amazons, right? I personally, when I saw this team, my very first thought was... I kind of had the same thought of what it ended up being as far as what the uh, what the skill allowances would be, where like the Jaguar Warrior blockers have access to strength in general, the throwers have passing in general, the blitzers have agility in general, and the line women just have general, which like it totally makes sense. And like that's kind of I don't a lot of people were like, well, we need to wait and see, you know, what their skill package is. Maybe the blockers won't have general, but like every model in the game that has the word blocker in their name, I'm pretty sure has access to general skills. Very so, few models don't have general, and those are mostly big guys. Right. So I did not really have any doubt that the Jaguar were blockers would have access to general skills. And like the Blitzers having like hit and run and like jump up, kind of like the theme of those models, and like the fact that they're higher movement than everybody else. Like generally speaking, if you have a player that's like higher movement, they're going to have access to agility like a lot of the time. So my thought was like, yeah, this is what they'll have. And my first thought was, all right, so those jaguar were blockers like you put a, just a couple of skills on them and suddenly like they are like in a like in a league a jaguar warrior blocker with two skills is probably one of the best players in that league it is absurd it's move your moves you move fast enough your strength for um you will have blodge right like um, you're going to take block first there's not really any question about that yeah. and then you take guard second and like that's pretty straightforward. Yep. And so now you have a strength four, edge three up with dodge guard piece that turns off guard on your opponent's turn. It, you can position them where you want. They are a pain to knock down, 
and they are doing work on both your own and your opponent's turns. And then they, like, they have the ability that very few guard models have, which is if you have to put yourself in a position to roll a dodge to set up a block, um, they're better at it than most things, and they're fast enough where they can, where if you misposition them, you're not screwed, or if you just have to react to something like, there's a random ball bounce, or you have a bad turnover. They're fast enough to recover from that on your next turn, which right. is fantastic. Um, I think the team is going to be exactly as good as these models are in this format, in the format you're playing. Yeah. I think my biggest concern about it is, like, you know, you do still have to deal with the fact that you're an Armor 8 team. Um, Other than the blockers, which are nine. Right, and that is that is like a like another thing about them that's like so stinking good. Like, I'm pretty sure I would actually rather have if you like gave offered me like a vampire with like taking away the animal savagery. I think I would still rather have the jaguar warrior blocker because like you're one less agility, but you have dodge, and then like you just like also get defensive. Yeah, so um, if you were capped at two still, then I would agree. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, these like the Jaguar blockers, like you think about the other comparable models, right? There are to my knowledge, there are only two other players in the game that have strength four and edge three up or better. And that is Chaos Chosen. chosen blocker. Yeah, chosen blockers and vampires. And like the chosen blockers, they have one less movement but one more armor. And like they don't have dodge or defensive. And they're 10 they're only 10k less like so just on raw stats right like raw stats alone the jaguar warrior blockers are like pretty equivalent in terms of like the you know minus one armor for plus one movement and 10k cost and then you just add in dodge and defensive like it's really stinking good and like that movement six really does like and having dodge right like makes them like legitimate like blitzing and ball carrying threats like you can just throw the ball to one of these things and have it go score. No, Amazon is a bad ball carrier because of Dodge Adage 3 Plus. Your line women are your worst ball carriers, which is expected. And also, they're still fine at it if you have to. Yeah. I think that the, like, if there is like a single, I would say, like, disappointment on the team, it's that the throwers don't have sure hands. That's like maybe like the only thing that you could legitimately point to as being like an issue. But the throwers didn't even have sure hands before under the old rules. In fact, they have the same things that they had before and more. I was very disappointed by 60k rerolls, but every time I'm building a list, the 60k reroll is designed to make you give up something for that reroll. So I'm not quite surprised that they're taxing your rerolls that hard, honestly. Yeah. I will need to play these models in a tournament where I can only have one skill on the blockers and therefore it's block um, before I can have a final picture of how Amazons are as a tournament team uh, because the Pumpkin Bowl and GW are so generous with skills. Um, in the league, um, if you can survive the first few weeks as Amazons, I think you will have a very strong team in the early through mid league, and then you will fall off as the in power level as the season ends or against teams that are redrafted, um, which is fine. Um, I will say that I expect to spend a lot of gold hiring linos in a league, and I wouldn't be surprised to be carrying 13 or 14 regularly and just firing people as they get injured. 
yeah. and then making sure that I have the bodies to have 11 on the pitch at all times. No, that makes sense. Um, as far as like their survivability goes, though, right? Like against like people that don't have like block or tackle, right? Um, which is you know in a in a league, there's there's a lot of people that don't have block and tackle. Like a lot of the a lot of the times that your zones will get knocked down will be by things that get block. blocked. I should I should say that a lot of times that they'll get blocked will be by things that don't have block or tackle. Like you're not going to play dwarves like every single you know every single game. So the way that the math works out, right, with like the armor eight versus like an armor nine kind of being like the average, but like you You again, lose a Zon off the pitch uh one one in six um results that you are knocked down on. Um Right, which is actually like it's so the math on like a like a armor nine up. Uh, player without dodge like they get knocked if you get like that's you get like a two die block on them right they get knocked down 55 percent of the time and then you break their armor 27 percent of the time so it's like a 15 point like two seven percent chance or something like that but then like you look at the at the zon with block right and um their chance of being knocked down by somebody that doesn't have Tackle is you have uh, to roll the pow. or block is that you have to roll the pow. So it's only it's a thirty like, percent on two die block. Exactly, yeah, it's a thirty percent, and then you, yeah, like yeah, it's a greater chance of having your armor broken. It's like forty one percent, but you don't that fall down still gets problem. like it still gets you only a twelve and a half percent of like right. So technically, right, technically, a against being two die block and this is obviously like this is super very specific scenario but it's a scenario that comes up a lot is you get two die blocked by somebody that does not have the block or tackle skills there is a higher chance that a no dodge armor nine player has their arm like is down and armor broken than there is of a dodge with armor eight player being down with armor broken it's like it's it is and it's not by like a lot but it is significant and they're more likely to be on their feet, period, giving them a chance to then dodge away with their dodge skill. Yep. Unless you're playing against dwarves or you're, you know, giving your opponent multiple blocks a turn by players that have the block skill, which I feel like early on in a league, unless you're playing dwarves, you really shouldn't. Um, uh, or Norse. Um, Norse are going to be fairly popular since a lot of people have just bought Norse games Sorry. with the relief. But that's three of the 28 or 29 total teams that come with natural block in any sort of volume. Right. And like most teams only have a maximum of four block players. And so like the, you know, in the the early league or the early weeks of like a league, you might only take a maximum of like three blocks from players that have the block skill yep. on like if you're you know if you're kicking off on turn one you'll take it and then like after that like if you're just being in, like really cagey and not just like willy-nilly marking up you might only take like one block per turn by somebody that has yeah. a you know block yeah. skill yeah the you're you are most likely to suffer from not having block when blitzing with amazons in an early league scenario and it's just well, I guess I rolled my one ninth, and then this is an important block to team reroll, so I failed another one ninth block, and then I fall down. Which is going to happen. Like you're yep. you're playing a team that does not have any block on their starting roster, so you are going to have some early growing pains. But like, I mean, you are probably almost certainly going to get three rerolls on a starting zon roster. Yep. Like 
you could get four if you don't want to take an apothecary and don't want to take a second blitzer. Um, I would actually consider that, to be honest. Um, so in my very limited experience with Zons, which is a practice game with them, uh, for Pumpkin Bowl, um, even with a good amount of skills, because I'm practicing a tournament build, um, I was the, I spent every reroll each half. And I think that's expected of most on rosters where you will spend all of your rerolls each half. Um, hopefully you can go into turn seven and eight with two rerolls left, but yeah. you will spend all of your rerolls because you're an edge three team. So you're not in the land of elf bullshit yet. The so good even news with is, God, you'll have to spend those rerolls. The good news is, is that what you're spending those rerolls on is generally speaking, going to be like blitzes and on ball handling. Sure. So, like those are two good things to like, because like using a reroll on a two die block, like if if you have there's like a one in nine chance that you go down on a two die block, like it needs yep. to be another like a one in nine needs to happen a second time, so like one out of eighty one to actually like you know either like both down or skull into like another result that has two like both down or skull in order to like you know have your own player fall over, and then like half of that time. You know, there is actually a right. Well, like, well, I, I, what I mean is, like, half the time, half of the times that you get a turnover, you're getting a both down result. So you might still like knock over like a ball carrier, for instance. You might still like knock him over anyway. So it's not like it's not the end of the world. And then, like, ball handling wise, yeah, you're probably like you're probably using rerolls like ball handling. But like, generally speaking, that's going to be three up or three reroll. So those are like eighty eight percenters, eighty nine percenters if you round up. So. Like you're using rerolls on important things that have high odds of succeeding on the reroll. Yes, but you will still be using those rerolls since you don't have the skills to reroll them. Or right. Yeah, it's like it's like the classic lizardman problem, where like you before you get a bunch of skills, you need to use you know rely on rerolls. But the things that you're rerolling are things that are high percentage of success anyway. Yep. And then, um, though I will say that I will expect any block on my ball carrier to be my opponent fully okay with taking a both down and not both down if they don't have block. Um, oh, yeah. Though the solution to that is get good and don't let them get your ball carrier. I mean, ideally, but, you know, stuff happens. Um, what is your, so what is your overall, so let's talk about this in two different contexts, right? So first off, as a tournament team, what is your overall opinion of Amazons? I won't know my final answer until I play them where I can only take block on the blockers. Um, I think they're going to be a good tournament team, but you'll be looking to play them at specific team values, which is in general going to be something towards the lower end around 1100 to 1120 because their models are cheap enough where you benefit from that. And then you're not being punished by, say, not being able to take two star players at teams that are truly cheap, like a stunty team would. Um, but the team has a lot of redundancy. Um, you're a very weird, like, Timmy Bash team, which is the identity of Amazons before, is you're, you are bashy against people that can't bash, and then you're discount elves against people that can actually beat you up. So that dynamic that was always Amazon's identity like developed Amazon teams in the previous version like they just turned into like you know you have you start out with four blodge pieces who have access to 
um, access to strength on a primary. So they would just take on the blitzers. They would just take guard as their first advancement. So you end up having four blodgers with guard, like basically right out the gate, and not like right out the gate, but like pretty quickly. And then the entire rest of the team just takes block whenever they get an advancement. Yeah. So like it was super boring, but it ended up being like a pretty reliable like bash team despite having armor eight plus by virtue of having so much blodge and having four guards uh yeah and games workshop definitely wanted to get rid of the shining mfl forcing people to roll pals that's something they've steered away with with recent teams where you'll have to take like they don't it definitely feels like the number of natural blodgers has gone down significantly for sure. And one thing I do like with like that GW's been trying to do with these teams that they've been releasing lately is um, trying to give them kind of like a unique identity, right? Like there's no denying that Norse are a more flavorful team now than they were before their re-release. Because like old Norse, like, yeah, they might have had like a larger variety of positionals. You know, they had the berserkers, the catchers and the throwers. And like you had the catchers that had Dauntless and Movement Seven, and you had the throwers that had Pass. But like the Valkyries are like such a just like iconic piece now for them, like in terms of both their skill set and also like appearance wise. And then like the beer boars, like you know everybody has different opinions on beer boars, but you can't deny the fact that like the beer boars just exude like Norse character. Yeah, and then like the linemen, like. Like, they gave them Thick Skull, which is, like, you know, they all have, like, Viking helms on, and, like, they're, you know, they're semi-drunk Norsemen. Like, Thick Skull makes sense, but they gave them the Drunkard rule to compensate, and, like, because if they just gave them Thick Skull, they would have had to increase the price on their linemen. But they gave I'm them the Drunkard skill. I mean, they might. they Personal opinion, like, I think even with Drunkard, they maybe should have been, like, 55k. But, yeah. like, if they don't have Drunkard... Like, there's an argument to be made that they maybe should be, like, maybe should be 60k, if not 65k. 65k is probably stretching it, but, like, if they if they have Thick Skull, they should definitely be 60k with no drunk if they didn't have Drunkard. I so. agree that. So um, it's like, I don't know, they're doing a good job with the flavor flavorful application of rules. Do you like or dislike them including, like, team-specific skills and or traits like drunkard pick me up and like hit and run that are only found like in the spike magazines in which the team is released in like do you like that or do you think it's just unnecessary bloat we will find out as that continues um it could very much end up in unnecessary bloat and if we end up with as they go through as they go around for blood bowl 2020 or 2030 whatever and then redo teams again um, I would be concerned if all teams had this. Um, I think it makes sense for specific teams to have additional rules to give them flavor, and when you don't want to make them boring, having this knob we can tweak is good. Um, I would dislike it if I found myself required to collect spike journals uh, to know what models do. Well, they do. They did at the end of 2021. They released the almanac that had like all of the collected spike stuff from the previous year. So yep. that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I assume that they'll do a similar release like early next year that will have the the corn, the Norse, the Amazon, and then maybe something else. Maybe we'll see. Maybe if we get something before the end of the year. 
Um, and the Spike Almanac is good. I'm just. I've heard that. I've heard people say that there are rumors about vampires being like the next team in development. I don't know where people are actually seeing these rumors, but I would be totally okay with them re-releasing the vampire. I team. would be fine with vampires becoming that shit. Um, back to Zons, because um, we sort of tangented. Um, one of the things that will interest me in tournament builds is how many people take a secondary skill on a blitzer so that way they can get a third guard because uh jaguar blockers are the only strength primary on the team and one of the downfalls on this team will be in a one skill tournament you have to take block before you take guard in your blockers you can't afford to have a 110k model that you get to of fall down and die because somebody rolled both down against you right um especially in those formats i wouldn't be surprised if you were allowed to take secondary skills if we saw people take guard on their blitzers and in a league i will after i take block i will absolutely be saving up for guard on my blitzers as a really even even before you would get something like catch or Uh, i think i would build one and one okay Um, i would build and this is for tournaments also where i will build a if i have these skills and i can afford both blitzers um until i have more reps with the team i will build a Blitzer as a truce, like bull, elf, discount elf bullshit scoring threat with something like diving catch sure feet, um, or like block catch is obvious and fine. And then the other one is a fake blitzer with like wrestle tackle or block tackle. Wrestle is really, really good on the blitzers because of jump up. Like it is. They it's might so yeah, good. they might like they might foul you while you're down mm-hmm. after you wrestle. Yeah. Like that's a legitimate risk that you have to consider. And sure. That's but also like, a risk for them. They may get sent off if they're not playing a bribery and corruption team. That's true. So, yeah, but like you wrestle someone down, and then like you know, on your next turn, you have jump up to you know effectively negate the uh, the penalty of you know starting your turn on the dirt. In a late in mid to later league with an Amazon team, I would actually be tempted to take wrestle instead of block on my line women that pick up their advancement later. So that was actually the, one of the next thing I was going to ask you was about the line women. And specifically, it is, um, are you saving up to six in order to pick block or wrestle, or are you random rolling? Um, I do not think you'll be penalized by random rolling, but if you have intentions of higher team value competitiveness, or if you want to roll the team in, and i might just be wrong and like amazons might be insane in the second season when it's like behold my 14 blodgers go fuck yourself but i would save to six for the advancement um because blodge or wrestle dodge is so absurdly good it is worth waiting unless you have a reason to roll yeah 70k for a blodger is ridiculously good value but at the same time if you do that across your entire team then like your team value is going up by like 220, 240 just based on the amount of block you're taking. Whereas like if you're random rolling, you can cut that down by quite a bit. You can, and that's fair. That's something I don't generally evaluate though because I like knowing what I have in general. Um, yeah. But wrestle is, I think wrestle is an underrated skill currently on Amazons, and I think we should see more of it depending on how many skills you can take in a tournament. Because having wrestle on your line women allows you to either it allows you to drain your opponent's resource management because 
being wrestled um if you set it up correctly when your opponent fucks up a block and gets a both down um because they need you to not be standing um being able to wrestle them down also is just so valuable because it sets up your offense for the next turn and especially like it is a, a big deal against the thing that they are weakest to which is dwarves right if the dwarf rolls you know if they don't roll a power a stumble if they are you know rolling you know both down if they get like both down push then wrestling down a dwarf on their turn is really really good for you because it li really limits their mobility it also adds a non-zero risk to them blocking with their guards which is something yeah. you struggle with yep i am interested in for gw i will be taking probably three wrestle bottles since it's max for you because of so the last thing i wanted to talk about on amazon's is their star player selection right so they are lestrian super league which probably has like the worst overall like top to bottom collection of star players you have acorn you have bow constrictor you have grack and crumbleberry you've got uh estelle you've got the white dwarf you've got helmet wolf carla von kill mighty zug morgan thorg and zolkath the zote so of those 12, like they don't have access to Griff. They don't have access to, you know, uh, any of the, like the ball and chains. Like, you know, they don't have, uh, you know, Bomber, Dribble, Snot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll go over my uh, my love for Bomber, Dribble, Snot on a, on a future podcast. Uh, you know, they don't have access to Hack Flim. They do have access to, uh, to Morgenthorg, like all of the non-undead teams do, but they don't have Griff. They do have Carla, who is definitely good. Um, but Carla doesn't give you the like agility two up. Like they actually they have no um, agility two up ball carrier options and their star player selection. So that being said, that being said, you know I think that you know Estelle Lavenu is very interesting. Her baleful hex special rule is obviously like hugely impactful if you're able to get it off on like a ball carrier or something um glottal sop obviously like you have a strength six big guy that has the ability to you know knock down other people for his negatrate you've got you know mighty zug if you want a you know budget budget no negatrate big guy so it's not like they don't have options but they don't have like you know the tier one of options no so your star player selection will depend on how you want to in a tournament i should say this is referring to tournament star player selection in league you just induce the correct star player against your opponent's team when you do right. um which that's more dismissive than i want it to sound but i want to focus the discussion on tournament star players for now so <clears throat> you have to make the decision of am i playing play zons where I want everybody to be slightly dodgier than you and leverage that where I'm playing Carla because she's an expensive fourth Jaguar warrior and also fits in well with the team. She provides big guy hate with Dauntless because unless they're playing, um, sorry, my brain just cracked up, uh, Glottal or Morg, you only need to roll a two right to Dauntless most models in the game. Right, right. Because uh, if she's a strength four, so she needs to uh, she needs to roll a, roll a two, two, two in order to equal five. their strength. Yeah. Right. Uh, exceed, I believe, but which a two 
It's Dauntless exceeds your strength. I don't play Dauntless all Yeah, Dauntless is you have to exceed their strength. So it, yeah. it's actually a it's yeah, actually a three, three on those yeah, two models. Three on those but guys. From everybody else, you only need to roll a two, which is fantastic. Right. Um so Carla's a good fit for that. Um Boa, if you want to be wrong and take Boa Constrictor, um you and I We're gonna have, have words. We're gonna have words. I will hold off on my Boa Constrictor rant until after I have actually played him with Lizardmen. Um, once I bring Boa Lizards to like an eleven fifty tournament, like we've talked about, then I will uh, I will see if my if my thoughts on him actually end up having any sort of basis in reality. Boa Constrictor is much better in Lizardmen than he is in uh, Amazon's. He does the same thing in either lists, but one of them leverages it better. Yes, and I think that if I'm in the market for that in Zons, I am in the market for Estelle, because I'm just going to threaten you with pulling with hitting the bullshit button, which <laughs> is better than hitting the bullshit button. By See, I, them out. I actually think that like it's kind of funny, because like, I actually think that where mm -hmm. each, like, each one of those teams would use Boa most is actually like so, like, I think Lizards want him more on defense than offense, and Amazons actually appreciate him more on offense than defense. And that being said, like, I, I think that, like, Lizards actually need less help on defense than Amazons need on offense. <laughs> so, um, I think, I don't know. But, like, it's also, like, if if my theory craft holds true, which I'm not sure if it will or not, like, Bo is also, like, 200k for a tech piece that, like, you have to play him like pretty much perfectly every single turn, or else he's actively like bringing you down. Like you yeah, should have. And Estelle, you just have to stand her where within five squares of where you don't want the opponent putting their important level. Right, right. Whereas like Boa, if you play him wrong, you should have just brought like three rerolls instead. Basically. So if you're on the for Zons, if you're on the I want to lean harder into what Zons already do, you play those models. And there's one other choice for that that I'll swing back to you later because I actually want to sort of dive on that. Um, and then if you want to... Um, Zolkath actually fits well into the what Amazons do um, well already since Zolkath is more of a ball carrier type star player um, than he is a big guy, even though he's also a big guy with no negatrate. Right. Um, but... Or you could say, I have two defensive blockers I'm allowed to take strengths two strength six star players. Um, I'm going to play Glottal Stop or Morgan Thorn, or if I can't afford either of those, I'll just take Nebby Zug, who is good enough to move around within the center of the board with your Jaguar blockers, even though he's slow four. Um, that's enough to stand right up and block them back. Um, you just utterly dominate the line and then hope you die slow enough on the edges for it not to matter that your armor rate models. Do you think that Amazons in tournaments need to bring a star player? I do not think you need to bring a star player, but I think that your team is cheap enough you would have to give me a really fucking good reason that you don't have a star player. That's fair. I know, like, you're you're bringing Carla in a 11-20 tournament, so you, it's not even that high of a budget, and you can pretty easily fit Carla in there and still get, like, all the other things you want. Yep. And Carla gives you that extra strength four piece as well as, you know, she does all of the same things that your Zons are already doing while adding in the extra bit of anti-big guy tech, which you just straight up do not have on the roster without her. So, 
Um, I could also take Zug if I owned a model to stand in for Zug because Carla Zons with uh, five positionals and two rerolls is 1110. Um, so you could just pay 10k more for Zug if you are interested in the big guy. That's fair. Um, so I think you would have to do a very good job convincing me of why you weren't taking a star player, assuming that the tournament format wasn't similar to Chaos Cup, where you have to pay skills for star players. And I don't think it's worth losing skills on Zons for star players. I agree with that very much so. Um, one star player I am tempted to try is the White Dwarf. Um, okay. So when the White Dwarf, you know, he he does have the ability where um, when a teammate that's adjacent to him activates, they can get Break Tackle, Dauntless, Mighty Blow, or Sure Feet. So which, like, which of those skills do you see as ones that... Um, you think that would be, you know, great tackle and sure feet are the best. So the whole, if I, so if we're taking Grombrindle, we're betting that we can keep Grombrindle in a place where he can move base to base with models that need it probably three times. I would say you want to do it three turns and a half minimum to generate acceptable value, mm-hmm. um, because otherwise you're paying two ten for a strength three block, uh, move five strength three block model. Um, he, does have, he does have Mighty Blow. He does have Mighty Blow, which is nice. And the sad part is, you know, getting a block model in Zons is actually something you'd be willing to overpay for. Um, but my thought is that... So the worst use case is I must Mighty Blow or Nautilus, which is the least value he's generating. When he's generating a lot of value, um, he's generating value off of either Surefeet or Break Tackle. If you don't need to rush, you don't need Surefeet, but Break Tackle isn't amazing on Zons because you're not getting the plus two. But but you, I mean, you're getting it up to the, be the plus to to become a two up, you know, one time. Or and the great up into somebody's tackle. Room. Right, and the great thing about the Break Tackle skill is that you don't have to declare it before you roll a dodge roll. It's that after you roll your dodge roll, you can apply the Break Tackle. So, mm-hmm. you know, it definitely you know has lots of flexibility for, you know. Combos really well with the edge three dodge player. That you know that time when you just so happen to roll a two, you know, in that chain of dodges, you can make it into a three. Yeah, and I would never actually pay for break tackle on a Zon. Um, just there's so many in a tournament. There's so many higher priority skills you need to take, and then I would consider paying for sure feet. But if I thought I could get away with, I can make the white dwarf give my blitzer sure feet when she needs it. Then. I'm perfectly okay with that. And that's kind of my thought, is I'm saving on skills to take skills I know I will use every turn. And then the White Dwarf is an okay enough model on the pitch, and then I can leverage White Dwarf to generate offense. Yeah. I The one time I have ever actually played against White Dwarf um, was in a tournament against a Ogre team that brought the White Dwarf to be able to hand out you know, things like... Uh, like break tackle two ogres to let them dodge on two ups um or like hand out like uh he also had vera Gulchur, so he was he could like give break tackle to vera Gulchur, who who is already an agility three up and is strength five so he can dodge into a tackle zone on a two up oh, with break dude, tackle just, yeah and it's fantastic right. just cage dive on people with Varag. like you could actually what is it you cage dive on a three plus with very 
Seems like, real good. You could literally go into three tackle zones on a or no, it'd be on a it'd be on a four up. It'd be on still, a four up. Yeah. Fifty fifty chance to put your strength five block uh player on you know into a gauge. Like on their ball carrier and blocking there's, it's fantastic. There's definitely times when that's like the best odds that you can actually have. And like he does like even with loner, like still like, you know, you start at fifty fifty and then you know, you get to be like another twenty percent or something like that off of the chance of being able to pass loner and reroll if you fail. Uh something like that. But uh, not quite twenty percent. But so um you still and, have to make another coin flip. But um at the point at which you're doing that with Eric, it's acceptable risk. Because you're stopping you you're either I must take the ball from you and score or you are about to score and I must stop you. So that's acceptable risk. Right. Right. Well um I think that probably is about We've probably gone over everything. Um, you know, we'll we'll go. Maybe we'll deep dive into uh, my thoughts on Boa on how like if you just pretend that Boa doesn't have his uh, special rule, he's actually one of the best design star players in the game. We'll we'll go into that rant after I've actually got some gameplay experience with it. I'm not just gonna you know talk blindly on that until I have some proof. All I have is theory. So that is it for the first episode of Riotous Rookies. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the future. Once again, I am Jake, and along with my co-host Richard, we are the Riotous Rookies. This concludes episode one, and we will see you all at a later date as we continue our discussions on all things Blood Bowl. Bye. <laughs>